This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. See no evil. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 209 of Tim, former GameStop employee. My name is Tim, and joining me again is Dane. Dane, how's it going? Well, you know, it's it's been a week, Tim. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> That's putting it's, it mildly. It's been, a, it's, <laughs> it's been we're, we're recording this on uh, November 7th. And uh, 7th, <laughs> For all yeah. you Mass Effect fans out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, special announcement, by the way. I saw that. Yeah, finally getting the remastered of those games. It's like the worst kept secret in gaming, <laughs> but finally they made it official. Uh, but yeah, been a rough week. Uh, terrible week. Um, but you know, this morning I woke up and I felt something that I haven't felt in a long, long time. Uh, you know, it's it's been about four years since I've, <laughs> I've felt this way. Uh, and that's hope. You know, hope that things are going to change. Things are going to get better. You know, the, the, the road is long. It's, it's going to be long. But has to start somewhere, least, right? Yeah. Is, <laughs> at least this is a step in the right direction. Um, and for the first time in a long time, I woke up happy. <laughs> happy that you know this has an end date it it, it hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> but, uh, it's sad that you have to say that but i know what you, it's almost like you know anything can happen still now but i know what you mean <laughs> right that there is an end date and you know i i don't agree with joe biden on some things but you know it, 
he I, I respect him. You know, I respect him and I feel like it's a step in the right direction. And I'm hopeful. And that's something I haven't felt in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the COVID-19 is still running rampant. I personally don't have a PS5 yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're just a week away too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with this election and the, the, election, the, the election of, you know, this... I don't know. It's the century, the the most the most important election has has a happy ending, and I am happy and I'm joyful and I just feel great. So. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, I know. Obviously, we don't talk politics at all on the show, pretty sure. much ever. But it's kind of hard not to <laughs> at this point. And I'm not even that much of a political guy in general. But I mean, yeah. it's just good to know that he's not going to be in that <laughs> most powerful position in the world anymore <laughs> so sure. i echo your sentiments dane <laughs> but yeah um that's obviously like you said it's kind of a week that felt longer than usual <laughs> yeah. i'm sure for a lot of a lot of people but we've made it through like you said now, hopefully things can start turning around on a more positive note <laughs> going forward. So, but I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Dane, that that your case with the PS5 hasn't changed much, <laughs> even though we're so close to the launch now. I know. I, I still have one. Probably not going to get one for a while. <laughs> it, it, it seems like um, yeah, so, still don't have PS5. The A's didn't win the World Series. Um. <laughs> Well, they, you know, it, it, it can't get any worse. You know, there's a pandemic raging. People have lost their jobs. But at least we have this one thing. That we have this one thing. And, you know, that, that's a hopeful thing. And and it's a, it's a everyone thing. kept saying that how 2020 is the worst year ever. But yeah. uh, one good big thing that happened <laughs> was at the end. So, Right. All right. Well, another thing that could get our day in a better mood and just keep that positive vibes going, The Dark Knight Rises Minute by Minute Commentary. Speaking of things nearing the end, when <laughs> we're over saying this every episode now, how every minute that we go through could be the last because we're just that so much closer to the end and never really counted how long the epilogue sequence of the movie was. So <laughs> I don't know how much, how many minutes that whole thing is, but we're kind of in the middle of it now. So. We could be getting very, very close on this episode as yeah. well. Can I make a prediction, Tim? Go for I it. I think we have, after this commentary that we're going to do, this minute commentary that we're going to do, I think we only have two minutes left. So, man, so you think only two more episodes of our minute commentary yeah. as well? That's hard uh, to believe. Two more episodes before the um, credits roll. You might be right. You know what? Yeah. I'm just going to go one ahead. I'm going to go three minutes. Just to play it safe. <laughs> Give it a little more room. <laughs> okay. Okay, so two and three. Okay. Yes. We'll see who comes out on top. Or maybe it's because I just don't want it to end. <laughs> <laughs> but do it so well, long. It's going to feel weird. Well, if it ends, we can move on to a different movie. Yes, a longer which, movie. Uh-huh. Which we still haven't decided what it, which it's going to be. I, no, I, I remember... Thinking, um, I remember... I was, our, yeah. No, go no, ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was thinking we should do Last Jedi. Because I was saying... The two movies we were debating on was Last Jedi and The Fellowship of the Ring. 
So yeah. if you want to go ahead and make a Last Jedi right now, I'm all for it. Is is that the longest Star Wars movie? It is. Yep. That is right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Might be uh, as, just as long as the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Maybe a little shorter, but I don't think it's too far off. Yeah, like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Two two forty. Yeah. It's definitely not two forty, but I know it's probably around no. two thirty range. Two thirty. Either so, two thirty or like four hours. Right. <laughs> well, that's if you want to go do Return of the King. <laughs> that is four hours. Oh, uh, is the extended version four hours? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> four hours plus. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Because the movie, the original yeah. cut was like three and a half hours. I think. Really. Yeah. I'm remembering right, and then I, I know the extended cut is definitely four hours, but I'm pretty sure it's four hours and some change. Yeah. So man, if we ever decide to do that one, we're going to be in it for the long haul. <laughs> yeah, the, the long, long haul. But probably at episode you, you, one thousand. Yeah. <laughs> that one. You know, I, I think we should do the Last Jedi uh, because you, you know. You like Batman, so we did we did a Batman movie, and if there's one thing that's sure in this world is that Tim loves Star Wars. <laughs> so you know what? We might as well do all three of my favorite movie franchises, which is Star Wars, the Dark Knight trilogy, and the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> so <laughs> might as well complete the trifecta. So Last Jedi next, Fellowship of the Ring after that. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. So uh, uh, Last Jedi is going to be our next movie. Then. You heard it here first. Get ready. <laughs> Should be another fun one. <laughs> but we're not quite there yet. We still got either two or three more minutes, depending on if you ask me or Dane, <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. But for this one, we are on the two and a half or the two hours and 34 minute mark for the Dark Knight Rises. And I'll go ahead and give the countdown after you get your VHS player, your Betamax player, your laser disc, your DVD player your HD DVD player, your Blu-ray player, your Blockbuster membership card to go rent it, your Netflix physical media disc that you just got in the mail, your DVHS player, if I'm remembering that right. <laughs> and then yeah. and then the best. I mean, DVHS is going to run for its money. But I think it's time we still acknowledge that your VHS to DVD converted copy is still the king of the dead formats. <laughs> So, get all those ready to go. If it ever was a format. (laughs) Or a concept of a format. (laughs) So, I will go ahead and give the countdown. Are you ready, Dean? Sam. Three, two, one, play. As we're still in the Wayne Enterprises boardroom that John Blake is overhearing. And this is the part I think we're going into on our last minute commentary how i like how wayne manor is going to be used to home like at-risk orphan children and it's in it's in the name of martha and thomas wayne home for children i just love that aspect that that's what wayne manor is going to become and john blake is handing over his id to reveal his true name robin and i gotta admit something here dane when i when i first saw the movie I loved that. I mean, it got some. It got applause on the first screening. I was I was applauding with it because I just loved hearing the name Robin in the Dark Knight trilogy, which I never thought would happen. But over the years, I, 
I don't love it as much as I did. And really? yeah, to me, it's, obviously it's a wink to the fans, to Robin fans, but at the same time, it's kind of like a wink and yeah, but this is all we're going to do with it because we really don't like the concept of Robin. We're just kind of throwing you a bone here. <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I don't hate it. And I don't, I just don't love it as much as I did anymore. Kind of mixed on it. It's still kind of cool that Robin is getting acknowledged, but it was just so very <laughs> bare bones. that just like, like I said, they kind of threw us a bone right there. But I don't know. It's just something that hasn't, maintain my level of excitement over the years since every time I watch it. Yeah, but Tim, you're, you're the biggest Robin fan. So. Well, I don't think I could claim that Rob from Everyone Loves oh. the Drake. <laughs> He's got to be the yeah. biggest Robin fan I know. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Sorry about that. So Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, I don't want to take that, that mantle away from you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, that you were the, the biggest Robin fan that day. <laughs> but you know it's 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 weird that we're ending the movie on a reading of a will by lawyers <laughs> if, if you if you uh told me that the dark knight trilogy would end you know essentially with lawyers reading somebody's will uh-huh. i would have never believed you <laughs> <laughs> i know I don't know, just say the Batman movie with that kind of ending, you'd be like, man, what kind of Batman movie is this going to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like uh, Batman versus Superman. Like, who would have thought that uh, there would be an entire scene where Superman gives, t- <laughs> gives his testimony to the Senate? <laughs> I mean, why, well, well, why would you have that in a movie? Well, I could actually see that because Superman has done that in plenty of stories where he gives testimonies to a Senate or a government. So to me, that was was something that was unthinkable as reading a will in a Batman movie for the death of Bruce Wayne (laughs) would have been at that time. But for me, anyway. I mean, I guess. I mean, (laughs) I I would rather have a fight scene than having somebody sworn into the Senate (laughs) or the Senate hearings. Well, there was a pretty big explosion that happened in that scene. Oh, yeah, right. Now, when was the last time you've seen Batman vs. Superman? It's been a while. I'm not going to lie. Um, did you ever see it when it came out digitally, or has it always been in the theater? <laughs> uh, I, I think I saw clips digitally, because I own it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just have zero <laughs> interest in going back to that movie. That's why I'm surprised well, you didn't you, know it. <laughs> have, have you gone back and been like, oh, you know, I, I like this movie or I don't like this movie or saw things differently? Yeah, I've come to definitely like it more than I did when I first saw it because I'm just kind of more accepting to, you know, this is what it is. And I do find things that I literally enjoy about it. But at the same time, it's still that part where part of me where it feels this wasn't the first Batman and Superman movie where they're where they're on screen together should have been again the story is just way too convoluted to get them to fight each other but there are aspects that i really like about it so it's still kind of a mixed bag for me i don't hate it i don't as some do and i don't love it as some do i'm just kind of accepted for what it is and i still enjoy watching it when i do uh, pop it in and you're gonna have to remind uh 
remind me, Tim, what was the whole thing with the, because I, I essentially haven't seen it since I saw it in the movie theater. What's that whole thing with Bruce trying to track the white Portuguese? And it's like, oh, it's a boat. Mm-hmm. What was that old thing? Because he knows the, the boat had the kryptonite. It was kryptonite. Yeah. Okay. That's what he was trying to get for himself to kill Superman, which is one of the aspects of the movie I don't really appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if it was Batman trying to get it to make sure Lex Luthor wasn't have it, then yeah, cool. But the fact that he's using it to try to kill Superman is where I go, not my favorite interpretation of Batman. But <laughs> yeah, how did he know about it though? Did I'm not was sure if they like, go fully researched it. Yeah, or? obviously he did his detective work to find out what Lex is up to and probably what um, he is smuggling on there. So they definitely make it a point to where he's done his homework and detective work to find out. But I don't know if they fully explain and go into too spend too much time explaining right. that. But. So, so so how would they know that um, Kryptonite has a has a bad effect on Superman? If or do do they even explain that or I want to say they do because I know yeah. see now it's, it's been a while since I've seen the whole extended cut too which does a better job of ex- putting the pieces together and explaining the process of the plot of the movie how things play out I will say that the extended cut is uh, the better version but I don't remember if they because I had the full detail of how they knew because in Man of Steel obviously. Only Lois knew about it when Clark went on the ship, the Kryptonian ship that, you know, he wasn't used to uh, the atmosphere of Krypton and that affected him. They didn't specifically say it was Kryptonite, but it was kind of implied that that's what they were going with. So, and I know in the beginning they found the the piece of Kryptonite stuck on like on a undersea and near like a tropical island. And that's where I think Lex found it Found out about it, but now that you're saying, I'm not. Don't remember exactly how we figured it could hurt Superman. But at least they both him and Bruce discovered it somehow. <laughs> See, now it's making me want to revisit, so <laughs> revisit it again. <laughs> so I can't get those answers. Because <laughs> uh, it is a Batman movie. I've seen it multiple times, but it's not not on the level or the Dark Knight trilogy where I just constantly kind of went back every so often to watch them. It's not on that level, which is why certain plot details I don't are kind of cloudy in certain aspects of how things happen in the over the course of the movie but I'll for definitely be revisiting it by the time the Justice League Snyder cut hits HBO Max I'll probably revisit all those movies just to get prepared for that but yeah. what I have is been it, doing is it oh sorry no um, go ahead it is it gonna be it, it's really gonna be four hours then yeah uh, the it's, Justice League Snyder cut yep it's um, wow. four four episodes at first, and then they're going to put them all together for a big four hour movie. Oh, but it's going to come out episodically then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's probably a smarter move because yeah. who's going to sit there and watch watch four hours worth of that for I for mean, the first besides, time? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. There's definitely going to be people. I probably would too. Uh, <laughs> it would have to be pretty early in the day to get it started, yeah. but yeah. I definitely agree it is the better way to go. And it's the best of both worlds, really. Because I know the, having a four-hour cut of it is going to be for the diehard fans, obviously, which is cool. We're going to have that 
um, version out there, but at the same time for casual audiences or casual fans, just having that break period <laughs> who doesn't have four hours to spend watching a movie, that option is there as well. So it's definitely the best of both worlds that they're doing those type of versions of the release. But one thing I have been uh, doing the last few weeks, I, I've been on kind of like an 80s Batman binge. <laughs> because on our last episode, I gave my review of the Death in the Family animated movie and then how I reread the Death of the Family comics. But then after reading that, I was just going through DC Universe and just thinking, like continuing on after that, after the issues after Death in the Family, but then also looking at what's before i was just thinking man dc universe has all this i should probably read these issues for the first time because these are comics that are coming out during the time i was a very young bat batman fan five six years old if i was old enough to be getting my own monthly comics on a regular basis these are the stories i would be reading at the time so it made me kind of want to go back and read these issues starting kind of post-crisis um so starting with year one obviously i've read that a few times but the issues after that and continuing on throughout the course of the 80s mainly just the batman title i probably want to go back and do the same for detective but right now i've just been reading 80s uh batman comics and it's been a lot of fun i've been enjoying these stories and i gotta say it is kind of refreshing in that era of comics where these a lot of these stories are just one and done in each issue sometimes there's two parts or even three parts but kind of having one comic be its own self-contained story on a consistent basis was pretty refreshing, which we don't get and haven't gotten in a long while uh, in comics nowadays. So reading that type of format uh, was very enjoyable to me. And I liked a lot of these stories uh, from writers like Max Collins, Jim Starlin, and John Byrne, and then, boy, Jim Aparo's art. I mean, we all know how great he is, but kind of just reading a bunch of his or, or reading those issues and seeing his art all in a row consistently made to see how what a great artist he is. But a lot of cool stories in here. And I like how it's really more street level stuff that Batman's dealing with here. And he's going after serial killers and uh, finding out these mysteries, solving the mysteries of these killers. So just a very crime based and detective based street level Batman stories, um, which was fun to read. And then getting some, one of the story arcs in here was the first appearance of the KG beast um, in a three-part story that had to deal with, there's definitely kind of like a political uh, thriller mystery story having to deal with the Star Wars program back in the 80s. <laughs> that was the main thrust of that story. So just a lot of different uh, type of cases that Batman is, that you don't see him deal with <laughs> nowadays or in, in a long while. So again, just going back to what comics were like when I was, a very young Batman fan was it's been fun, a lot of fun to read and it's a lot of great standout issues and probably my favorite one if you have DC Universe uh, one I would definitely recommend uh, checking out is Batman 432 um, this is an issue that happens not too long about three issues after a death in the family and you see Batman still dealing with the death of Jason and this issue I thought did it the best where he tries um, to help this private investigator find this missing boy who's been mi uh, missing for seven years, uh, but his mother hasn't given up hope, and she hires this private invest investigator who Batman ends up kind of teaming up with, but they don't really get, get along. And Jim Gordon's telling Batman to, can, you know, you got to drop this. This 
case is closed. You're not going to find the boy. He's probably dead by now. And there's a big uh, heist that we need, like another case we really need your help on and your focus. But Batman is determined to find that young boy because of feeling responsible for the death of Jason and just kind of seeing him grieve for Jason in this way and trying to help this young boy, which is really good to see. So Batman issue 432 was a really great one. And just a lot of, like I said, different type of stories that I haven't read for in Batman comic for a lot, long time. And it's been really refreshing. And I'm, I'm getting close to the first appearance of Tim Drake and the lonely place of dying story story arc, which um, probably shouldn't admit this as a Batman fan, but I've never read that story arc before. I, I know the story. I read the synopsis of it, but never actually read each and every comic from out of storyline. So that's what I'll be diving into next. So I have been having a lot of fun diving into these 80s Batman comics and, to be honest, how I'm feeling right now is where every time I see new announcements for what DC's doing, we talked about their future state uh, event coming up in a few months. It's I'm just thinking to myself, you know what? I'm just totally good and content with reading these old Batman comics to get my Batman comic fix for a while. <laughs> just diving back to the old uh, catalog of as many, many comic stories is kind of what I'm focusing on right now than the newer stuff. And I'm totally okay with that. So that's been a lot of fun. But at the same time, too, continuing my 80s binge of Batman, reading these comics made me want to watch Batman 89 and Batman Returns again. And so it's funny. Batman 89, classic. Always enjoy watching it. But Batman Returns, and we've had an episode a while ago now, Dane, but kind of how was saying it just doesn't hold up like it used to. But watching it recently i enjoyed it more than i did that last time when we did that episode <laughs> so batman returns is one of those movies yeah. where i guess it depends on what mood i am but sometimes i just enjoy it for what it is but then if i'm watching it as a critical batman fan and some of the things that i don't like they stand out more i don't enjoy it as much but i guess it just depends on my mood but uh this last time watching it i guess following it up right after i watched batman 89 i enjoyed it more this time so it's just been fun kind of going back to the Batman period that I was first uh, introduced to the character, what was going on during that time in the 80s and me being a very young kid. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. And also, I don't know if you've seen these, Dane. I'm sure we've talked about it. But the special features on the Batman movie Blu-ray set called the, uh, the Cinematic History of the Dark Knight, those are fantastic documentaries. Each There's one on each disc that covers each movie. And it's just really fascinating to watch even even the batman forever and batman robin ones are great so i would recommend those checking those out too i'm not sure if they're available on youtube somewhere or if they're only just available on the disc but they're worth checking out for any fans of uh, the, the early 90s batman movies they're just it's very insightful of the process and what directors producers and actors were thinking at the time during production of all those movies so it's called shadows of the bat the cinematic saga of the dark knight have you ever seen those dane it sounds familiar um but yeah i, I can't remember it because i remember watching it when i first got the blu-ray set which is like around 2005 2006 because i know they came out not too long after the batman begins dvd uh came out well known because that wasn't on Blu-ray yet. So it had to have been more around the time of The Dark Knight. Um, sometime between yeah. 2005 and 2008, they got this Blu-ray set. That's when I first watched it, just thinking, man, this is a really great documentary on all four of those movies. 
So yeah, I've been watching those too. So just on a, I'm going to a, in the past to get my Batman fix lately. <laughs> it's been a lot of a lot of fun uh, doing that. So if I I would say if anyone's not currently enjoying the current state of Batman comics and the stories that are going on right now, just kind of take a step back and maybe go back and read some of the stories you've never read before, no matter what era it is. It could just kind of fill that gap of reading good classic Batman or just reading good Batman stories in general. Okay, of course, if you haven't read it before, you're not going to know which ones are good and some ones might not be as good as others. But just, I just think it's fun to go back and to read those for lack of a better word, historic <laughs> Batman comics um, that are, are now available so freely with the DC Universe app like never before. It's just such a great opportunity to read those stories that um, you're maybe not too familiar with because you didn't get have access to them as a young kid at that time or just kind of not knowing about certain stories and then just scrolling through, because that's kind of what I've done too, scrolling through the synopsis. Man, this sounds cool. This sounds like a cool story. I'll <laughs> check that out. Uh, it's just a great way to be reading these Batman comics. So that's what I've been up to these last few weeks since our last episode. And I've watched A Death in the Family. It all started with that. <laughs> Watching that animated movie put me on this whole Batman 80s kick, which I'm still enjoying right now. Yeah, one of my favorite um, things about going back and reading old comics or buying old comics um, you won't really get, you don't get it at all with the, you know, not everything's digital, but I really like going back to old comics and seeing all of the old ads. <laughs> yes. That <laughs> is know, missing like from the digital ones. And, <laughs> I'm telling you, DC, put the old ads in there. I mean, I know that there may be a legal thing you got to work out or whatever, but you got to put them back in, back in, you know, there's like, ads for game boy there's game <laughs> gear i don't know if you remember game gear tim i always uh, wanted one just because oh it was a handheld video game system in yeah. color <laughs> i never got one and um i can't remember the name of that thing that um you know it was like a stat it comes with it's, it was supposed to be oh, vr the, v, you know, the virtual like boy yeah virtual boy right yeah. and everything was red yep um yeah, I, I remember wanting one of those when I was a kid. Um, See, I never wanted one of those. <laughs> I was like, man, this really? looks too, yeah, that contraption looks too, I don't know. doesn't look like fun. <laughs> I mean, to just poke your eyes yeah. in there and everything looks red. <laughs> yeah, like all of the old video games, Contra, I remember seeing um, Metroid. I, I honestly, that's one of my favorite reasons for going back and, and, uh, reading old comics is because I get to see all these old ads and all this old technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. It's pretty awesome. I know. Sometimes I haven't done it lately, especially now that they're available digitally, but I always every so often go back and re open up my nightfall comics and always get a kick out of the ads. Like you said, <laughs> just seeing how nineties everything was back then. I don't know why, but obviously there's a lot of video game ads in comics like you were mentioning, the one that always stood yeah. out to me was a Super Nintendo game called Zombies Ate My Neighbors. <laughs> Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yep. I would always <laughs> see that ad in a lot of those comic issues. I've never played the game, but it just made me think, man, this this game must be pretty popular or a lot of people must like it because I've seen it in every issue of Batman that I'm reading. 
have you ever played it? <laughs> I have never played it. No, even on emulators, <laughs> I've not, never been one that I wanted to try out. I've seen and, pictures and, and graphics and, of it. It's like, yeah, not to me anyway, not one of the Super Nintendo's best looking games. <laughs> what was that game called? Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was. Hold on. Yeah. I'm, are you Googling it right on, now? Uh, YouTube. Uh, YouTube. Oh. <laughs> I want to see if anybody has like a long play. Oh, yeah, right here. Okay. <laughs> I'm just looking at the box art right now. Yep, it's exactly what I remember from those 90s comics. <laughs> that was a Konami game. So it actually might be pretty good then because Konami was the developer back then. And yeah. that, was another, that was another thing I've been doing too with Batman. I just last weekend was playing the Super Nintendo Batman Returns game by Konami, which is still one of the better beat em up games you're going to play. That game's still really fun. You know, I'm, I'm just watching this and I'm, you know, if, if Nintendo puts this out somehow on the Switch as like a free game, one of their free games, uh-huh. being a subscriber, I'm playing this. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really good for like a little thing. Well, like, I just clicked some random YouTube video on it right now. I'm just looking at the yeah. player select screen. You see this guy with 3D glasses and this spiked <laughs> up yellow hair. Spiked, yeah. <laughs> like, man, what, <laughs> quite the character selection. It looks like it is like a top-down action game. Yeah, right. Not a side-scroller. Right. <laughs> well, with all, they put all these like random weird games you never heard of on the Super Nintendo and Nintendo uh section of the switch that allows you to play those games if you're an online member and so it would make sense to put zombies ate my neighbors on on that because it would fit right in with some of those other uh games that you never heard of yeah i mean that's honestly why i still subscribe to nintendo um what's it called uh nintendo not direct um is it just Nintendo Shoot. Online? Nintendo Switch yeah, Online? Nintendo Online. Something very basic. Yeah, just in case they had like a game that I played when I was a kid and I want to play it again. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is a really cool feature. They just, uh, there are just so many great games that are missing on both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Yeah. That's, yeah. Why, that's why it's good to have the, the Super Nintendo Classic that has an emulator on it <laughs> <laughs> that comes in real handy that's, that's all i'll say <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know i i, I kind of want them to and i'm sure they can do this i want them to put n64 games on there hopefully they I mean, will I know, we're, I know we're still in the super nintendo era right now that they're releasing games but like i want to see uh I want to see N64 games on there. That and I was be- watching, you know, I was bored and I was watching um, some GoldenEye, uh, the, the the campaign. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, I want to play this game again. You know, I don't think I have a TV to hook up the old AV cables. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah. an RF switch? <laughs> Those RF adapters, remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, if they ever do Goldeneye, they really have to fix up the control scheme and the control layout because <laughs> it probably yeah. feels so weird. 
uh, doing it how it was on the N64 controller. <laughs> Although I, you know, I read a thing about um, GoldenEye and why there hasn't been a remake or a, mm-hmm. a re-release or whatever. Yeah, because there's been a several remakes, but they just have not been the same. Yeah, it's 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 a rights issue. I I don't think Nintendo has an MGM uh, yeah. license anymore, right? And mm-hmm. it would be too complicated or something to. And then Rare was the developer, so I'm not sure if they have any kind of like legal right to Is it Rare or something. Even around anymore? I mean, Microsoft owns them, but they just really don't do much at all for Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, they just bought them and forgot about them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Made some like okay games, but nothing really that nothing that compares to their heyday in the '64 and Super Nintendo era. Right, right. Let me see. Rare, because I know for Microsoft they did that Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. They did that Conquerors Fur Day Remastered, and Killer Instinct. That Killer Instinct remastered. Hey, they they just did the new Battletoads, <laughs> which is actually kind of fun. I've been playing. I played that a few times on Game Pass. Uh, I see. think that might be their last game that they did. And they did develop like yeah, the whole Battle- <laughs> yeah. I think they did develop the whole Avatar system for the Xbox as well. Like that really? was the big thing they were working on back in like oh seven oh in oh eight when Microsoft was rolling that out. Mm. They they do have this game called Everwild in that's to be announced. Oh, I think I remember uh, seeing a trailer for that at um at my one of Microsoft's yeah. video events where they were showing off the Xbox Series X and some of the games. I think I vaguely remember that title. It looked pretty interesting. Yeah, they did the Killer Instinct re- uh, remake. Oh, they 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 did a couple of Connect uh, Sports. I don't remember. Oh, that's right. I never uh, played those. Uh, anything Connect is not good. I would imagine, <laughs> especially Star Wars Connect. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Sea of Thieves? Oh, that's right. That is their. I forgot Rare even did that, but that's kind of, I believe it's kind of like oh, an MMO. MMO. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if it's as expansive and as extensive as other MMOs. Maybe it might be, but... Yeah, um, but it looks like a game that, that, that could be financially uh, good for them. And they can just sort of, you know, take their time or whatever. Yeah. So they, they have done some stuff for Microsoft, but again, it's nothing... To the acclaim to what they had in the Nintendo days, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Connect Sports. It, it actually got good reviews, uh, surprisingly. Well, maybe it was one of the better Connect games that came out because yeah. there's not many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Man, it's so funny how Microsoft that, kind of. Yeah, it's how Microsoft and even Sony just totally abandoned the whole motion control scheme when they were just trying to catch up to Nintendo and the Wii, but they never could and they just totally abandoned it. I don't even know why they even tried it, to be honest. Well, because that was, that was like they just all the money Nintendo was making. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the big thing back when the PS4 and the Xbox uh, uh, X, Xbox One. Just, just <laughs> don't we remember? Xbox One was supposed to, when it was first launched and announced, 
Connect was required for it, and that got a big uproar yeah, from yeah. people. Right, right. I remember that. Um, but yeah, it's just weird how they just abandoned it. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I think this is when the PS5 comes out and the Xbox Series X comes out, slash S, I think what's going to go is going to be PS5's Connect, PS5's VR, whatever. You, is it PSVR? Yeah, PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to be thrown to the garbage. I think so, really. Yeah, because it, it's it's not it's not what we think. the The technology just isn't there. I mean, like you look at Oculus. How many people bought an Oculus? Mm-hmm. You know, it it, it came it's, it came out already. It, it beat all of the uh, the the big consoles, right? The Xbox and the PlayStation. So. And how many people do you know bought the new Oculus, right? There's so, a new Oculus? Yeah, I didn't even know there was like an upgraded one yeah, or something. There's like Oculus 2, I think, came out, let's see, last month? Um, not really sure because I know one person who did, uh, one of my coworkers did, and he played it like a couple of times and doesn't play it anymore. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I know. That, or if it's going to be like a novelty of effect where like you really enjoy it for a little bit, but then after a while you'll just, you just kind of want to go back to the basics of gaming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you hit the nail on the head. I think it is, I think it's a passing phase that we're going to get, we're, we're going to move on from. And then, you know, it's, it's going to be gone. It's just like motion capture yeah. or the motion thing on the, the PS4 and the, xbox uh one so i i think that's gonna i think psvr is the next one that's or vr in general is the next thing that's gonna go um but then again i was i i was wrong about handhelds because um the ps vita kind of got buried <laughs> very, oh, <yeah>. very deep <laughs> in sony's uh archive or or whatever or closet um <laughs> But then you see stuff like Nintendo Switch. I, I really didn't think there was there was a sort of market for handhelds anymore. But then you see the success of the PS. I mean the the Nintendo Switch. I mean I know you can hook it up to your TV and all that, but you know people do play it as a handheld, right? So yeah. Well, heck, they released even just a version that's only for the handheld, the Switch Lite. So there's obviously an audience oh, that. Oh, right just wants it just to have it on the go right 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 so you know i was wrong about that so maybe maybe i'm wrong about oculus and uh the psvr but i i do not know anyone that's that has a psvr that really really uses it or an oculus that really really like this is the console this is the thing you know like like how you, you you're you're gonna hook up your PS5 and you're gonna be playing your PS5. You're gonna buy your Xbox Series X and you're gonna be playing the Xbox Series X. You're not you know that's gonna be it, right? Um, don't really hear don't really hear that for Oculus or PSVR. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, do do you know anyone that's played the? Um, that Star Wars VR, Darth Vader VR game? Not yet, but um, I know my friend Paul got, 
he actually got a PSVR as a gift and he played Star Wars Squadrons with the VR and he says it's actually incredible to experience it that way. Really? The set is really immersive and I know Vader Immortal is coming out for the PlayStation VR and yeah. that's honestly getting me really tempted to want to check it out. <laughs> I'm not sure how much they cost. I'm sure they're pretty expensive, but I kind of want to ex- experience that to see how it is. But I, yeah. I personally don't know anyone who's played it, but I think it's got pretty good reviews on the Oculus. Because mm. the only VR I've ever done is the Secrets of the Empire at uh, at the Void. There's one in downtown Disney that I've done a few times, and that was fun. That doing obviously a more interactive uh, version of VR, but I haven't played an actual game with virtual reality. I am just curious to see how how it feels and how it works. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I I think that VR is. I don't think we're there yet on VR, um, you know, for, for mass, for, for, for the masses, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just think it's going to be another connect <laughs> that ends up, uh, you know, sort of being forgotten about because do, do you know anybody that plays their Xbox with the connect? Nope. <laughs> not yeah. now. And but, not even uh, when it was first coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just never know with video games what's, what's going to be a fad and what's going to stick. I mean, look at uh, the Rumble Pack with the N64. That could have been a fad, but that's become a standard and a staple for all video game controllers now. So right. <laughs> you just never know. Because now it just feels weird not having Rumble on anything, <laughs> that, any type of game you're playing. Jesus. You're taking me back to I remember yeah. saving up money to buy the Rumble Pack. Well, you um, know what game um, was bo- what it first came out with, right? What was it, Tim? Star Fox 64. <laughs> right. And it was, a, it was a big box, too. <laughs> it was, like, yeah. bigger than your standard N64 box that you had to fit in the rubble pack in there. Yeah, I remember that now that, now that you mention it. Um, and I remember saving up money for the uh, PlayStation 1 controller that um, had the... Had a the, rumble pack in the it. Dual shocks, uh-huh. <laughs> the Dual Shock, right? The Dual Shock. Because if you bought a PlayStation, it didn't come with it. I remember, right? Nope. Yeah, not until later on, like towards the end of its life cycle. Yeah, and then I remember, I remember playing the first Tony Hawk with it. You know, that, <laughs> that was the first game that I played with the with the Dual Shock. I remember being so amazed. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds really sad. <laughs> no, I know what you oh, mean. <laughs> for for gamers who grew up and played games without it for so long, and then to have that, <laughs> it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I I just think it's bad. Um, but then again, I was wrong about uh, handhelds, and let I me mean, look at the sick the success of uh, the Switch. So, I mean, heck, it's so successful that it put out um, the D- the Nintendo 3DS <laughs> to where it's to kind of discontinued now where they're not making anything for it. The Switch is the handheld now, so kind of took out its own competition with itself, <laughs> Nintendo <Yeah>. did there. <laughs> you know, I was... Uh, I can't remember if it was the 3DS or the Switch, or, uh, I mean, uh, th- 3DS or the... Uh, you know, like that Game Boy that uh, popped open, like a like a wallet. Oh uh, yeah, the Nintendo 
What's that called? Yeah. It was the DS. Uh, man, I'm, I've had a few of them. But I got yeah. four of them just because remember when the GameCube came out and you can connect your uh, Game Boy to it? Yeah. As like a controller for like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I got four of them so we could play multiplayer with that because it was the first Final Fantasy game on Nintendo console in years. And the game I ended up not enjoying. I didn't even really have two other people to play <laughs> the full four players it is me and my brother played it so i bought oh, it was a game boy sp that's what it was oh right yeah SP. So, I, so i got two of those that i didn't even need ended up trading in at gamestop <laughs> for lesser lesser than what i paid for but for like uh 25 dollars yeah lesson learned with that but oh. still not as bad as a video game investment as superman 64 <laughs> But I, I I read an article or I saw a fact on Twitter something um, that the it was either the Nintendo DS or the Game Boy that you know I think it was the the Nintendo DS is the first uh, gaming device to be brought to the summit of uh, Mount Everest. And oh really? <laughs> yeah, it, it it worked on the oh, summit. Wow. So um, and. A lot of electronic equipment breaks down as you get higher elevation, but apparently the Nintendo DS worked. <laughs> well, that's really, that really, really, really hardy. So. <laughs> so, I wonder if it was a regular DS or the 3DS. Oh yeah, I wonder if that would have made a difference. It could have. No 3D graphics. Maybe it would work, but you couldn't use the 3D effect. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really surprised how long Nintendo wrote on the DS sort of Yeah, well, uh, system. if, if right. you think about it, the first one came out in 2004. And obviously, yeah, we've had no, right? some upgrades and then the 3DS. And so, yeah, it lasted, gee, a good 15 years. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't major graphical updates, right? No, not really. Yeah. That's what I thought. Well, they learned a lot. Yeah, they made tons of money off them, that's for sure. Yeah, they made a ton of money, they learned a lot, and they released the Switch. Uh, Yeah, sure, the Wii U was kind of a misstep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention the the original Wii, but uh, yeah. Well, a misstep as far as graphical capabilities and kind of motion control exclusive for some games, but not a misstep for Nintendo financially, man. They cleaned up on that. <laughs> That's for sure. Really? It is one of the best-selling consoles ever. The Wii U? No, the Wii. Oh, the Wii. Oh, yeah. I was about to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the Wii, Wii U is one of the worst-selling like, really ever. Bad. Yeah, didn't did it get like one of the like, really bad reviews? Yeah, that was definitely a misstep for Nintendo, but yeah. they quickly rectified that with the Switch. I wonder if we're going to look back on the Wii U and the Wii, uh, or let's just say Wii U, right? The, the way we look back on, I don't know, the, the Amiga, right, or something. That's <laughs> like, like, oh my god, look at this. This looks awful, you know? <laughs> well, Wii games already look that way. <laughs> <laughs> They do not hold up at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm glad some of them are getting remasters. Like uh, Twilight Princess got an HD remaster. Thank goodness. And Mario oh, Galaxy finally got one on the Switch. So 
the ones that need HD remasters are getting them. Because I've I've not played Twilight Princess or um, Mario Galaxy. Um, are 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 they kind of worth it? Yeah, I've never played Mario Galaxy. I, I kind of want to now that it's is remastered in HD, and they don't have to worry about the motion controls. But Twilight Princess definitely is worth it, especially with the wow. upgraded HD graphics. Yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping they redo Skyward Sword for an HD remake because not only for the graphics will look a lot better, but I really want to play that game with just standard controls because on the Wii, it, was, it had to be motion. That was the only way you can play it. And it worked for the most part, but still not the most enjoyable experience to play a Zelda game when you're having yeah. to wave around the Wii remote all the time. But I'm hoping that for Zelda's 35th anniversary next year, hopefully they'll do kind of a compilation that they did with Mario this year and do some HD remasters for Twilight Princess and throw in the Twilight or Skyward Sword, it's first HD remaster, but put it in a bundle with the Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD remasters that have already been on this on the Wii U, but they need to be put on the Switch so more people can actually play them. <laughs> uh, just, just do a for, for the thirtieth anniversary of Zelda. Just do a um, Ocarina of Time remake. Oh man, I would. My dream video game now is a full-blown Ocarina of Time remake in the vein of Final Fantasy VII, just in the graphics department. Oh, man, would that be the ultimate gaming experience for me? (laughs) My favorite game of all time, looking like like that, I would be in heaven. But uh, Nintendo's never known to go all out on the graphics like Square does, so I'm not holding my breath. (laughs) Have you seen those like fan-made uh, versions of Ocarina of Time using the Unreal Engine. God, it will no, make you it would make you happy and mad at the same time knowing that there could be versions like that made, but Nintendo doesn't do it. <laughs> they look incredible. It's on the um, what 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 uh, graphical system is it on? Unreal. Unreal. Pretty sure it's Unreal. Yeah. Like if you just type in on YouTube Zelda Ocarina of Time Unreal Engine or something like that. You'll get probably oh a lot of up. <laughs> I take it you just saw one, right? Wow. It doesn't look incredible. Oh, damn, I want <laughs> It left you speechless, man. <laughs> I'm just watching the, the, the uh, Ganondorf fight. Uh I mean, the character models, the environments, the lighting in certain areas, yeah, it, it yeah. just looks incredible. Lighting, the shadows, character models. Oh, Tim. Why did you? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe I should have told you about it. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, come on, Nintendo. You, you have to. I know. See, that's like Nintendo. people on their own can do this. Imagine what... <laughs> you could do with it if you just go all out with it. Ah, oh, come on, Nintendo. I yeah, know. that's, that's never happening. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Me neither. Not, not on that level. <laughs> but, yeah, man, you can dream, though. So I got yeah. one of my dreams fulfilled with the Final Fantasy remake, but now I want the save rock rate of time. <laughs> But that dream might be a long way off, if ever. <laughs> that might really just be a dream. 
when's the second market going to come out for that? Yeah, they haven't said yet, but knowing Square, yeah. I'm sure it won't be next year. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be 2022 or something. 2024. Yeah. See, uh, that's the question. What's going to come out first, Final Fantasy 16 or the second part of Final Fantasy 7? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably Final Fantasy 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Final Fantasy 20 before the final part of Final <laughs> Fantasy 7 Remake comes out. <laughs> uh, uh, Square, I love you, but man, you can be so frustrating with your release schedule and your delays. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's I guess that's our video game tip. Video game, video game yeah. fad talk, I guess, <laughs> for yeah. this episode. So I guess I can get into our main discussion or slash comic reviews because that is what the main discussion is going to be and what I've been dying to talk about for the last week. And that is my review of the final issue of Three Jokers by Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. And boy, did this one not disappoint. And before I go into it, I'm going to throw in the spoiler warning out there because I'll be going over all of the big things that went down in this issue. It has been out for a few weeks now, so hopefully you've all had a chance to read it uh, before you can hear my thoughts on it. And for a rating scale, how about um, video game fads that have come and gone? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right. So this one picks up. Oh, there's just so much great stuff about this <laughs> issue, which I'll get into, of course. But I'll give a brief recap of the stuff that went down. And it starts off uh, with Batman, Batgirl, and Jason just in the Batcave going over all the Joker files and just the images of the three Jokers and the ones that they've created and just going over everything that Joker's done and the possibilities of how one Joker is the real one, but he's created others and how you know, going over again, how Jason killed one of them. And Jason says something that doesn't stick too well with Batman. Once he says he took one of them out and telling Batman that he's too weak to do it. And Batman just loses it. He just grabs Jason by the collar, just yells at him like enough and this reminded me a lot of the end of Under the Red Hood, um, the movie where Batman tells Jason, you know, you don't think I've wanted to uh, kill Joker after everything he's done to you and Barbara. And he just tells Jason, you just don't get it and you and you never have. So uh, both of them at the end of the sequence, they obviously have some conflicting opinions and thoughts on each other here, especially with Jason with Batman, believing that Batman does really know who the Joker is and who he really is. And he's just not telling him. And Batman denies it. He's saying, if I know, you know too. And so they both agree just to kind of put their differences aside and to do what they're set out to do and capture the last two uh, remaining Jokers. But the big thing, of course, with what happened at the end of issue two was where the Jokers sprung Joe Chill from Blackgate from his deathbed and captured him and it ended with the cliffhanger with the Joker saying, you're going to tell us the real reason why you killed Thomas and Martha Wayne. And that's where things pick up after that moment in the Batcave where Batman goes to Blackgate and this was commissioner Gordon looking at the cell of Joe chill, realizing he's gone and Batman discovers some letters hidden in between some books in his cell. And they're all listed for Bruce Wayne. And there's quite a few letters there. And Batman's talking to the guard um, saying, you know, why hasn't he mailed them? And he just said, you better talk to the uh, to the warden here or to the reverend, actually. And once Batman meets with him, 
he's Batman's under the impression that Joe Chill has written these because he knows he is dying and he's looking kind of to kind of for repentance here before he dies. But the Reverend tells him here that you no know, Joe Chill has been writing these letters ever since he's been here. He just never been able to finish him because um, he doesn't have much of a, much of an education. He said he dropped out of school here and he has a learning disability. But um, he tells Batman that Joe Chill has kind of regret what he's done ever since he's been here, especially for Bruce Wayne. And it was kind of a not a funny moment, but one where the Reverend tells him, "Do you know what?" Uh, he's actually asking Batman, "Do you know what Joe Chill did here to end up in Blackgate?" And Batman just has this blank stare at him, saying, "You know, everyone knows what Joe Chill did to deserve to be locked up in Blackgate." So, and once Bruce is or Batman's looking through these letters. One of them is actually labeled to Batman, not Bruce, and it's in different colored writing, hinting at it's the Joker. And in the envelope are, is a ticket to the Monarch Theater for the Mark of Zorro. So obviously it's an invitation for Batman to meet up with the two Jokers and Joe Chill for the plan to be set in motion. And there's this great sequence here as Batman is with Jason and Barbara's in, on, the, on a motorcycle and they're driving up to the Monarch Theater and there's just no dialogue. It's just all artwork, fantastic artwork by Jason Fabok, highlighting the facial expressions of both Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood. And as they each make their different entrance into the Monarch Theater, Batman telling Barbara to go up, Jason go the back way, Batman will enter into um, the front entrance. And it was just a great way to set up the tension here for this final confrontation between uh, Batman, Barbara, and Jason against Joker for their ultimate plan here for what they've uh, been setting up as the story began. Just, again, no dialogue really set up the suspense I felt and just awaiting to see what's going to happen here and what Joker is going to do with Joe Chill. And this part right here reminded me of Return of the Joker where Batman is watching, is alone in this room and on the screen is Joker with Joe Chill kind of explaining what, um, he wants and what's going to happen. Very similar to what Joker did to Batman um, when he was revealing what he did to Tim Drake and revealing that he knows his secret. It had that vibe to me, which was really great here. And so on the screen is the comedian Joker with Joe Chill telling him to explain what he, why he really killed Thomas and Martha Wayne. But above that screen is the criminal Joker with the actual Joe Chill tied up on a chair hovering above uh, this pit of acid. And Joe Till is explaining that once he first saw Thomas and Martha Wayne, he wanted to kill them because he thought there were people, they were responsible, the high elite of Gotham, um, not helping the poor like George Chill was. And it's kind of saying he wanted to take them out. But um, once he saw them, he didn't realize everything happened so fast for him. He didn't realize a young Bruce was there until after the effect of or after the act of him killing them. And then ever since then, he felt the regret of what he did leaving Bruce without his parents and then realizing while in Blackgate that Thomas and Martha Waynes were actually one of the few of the rich and elite who were trying to help the poor citizens of Gotham and doing what they can and is kind of feeling so much regret for what he did afterwards. And that's why he was writing those letters to Bruce but never sent them. And as Batman's hearing this, he's seeing the criminal Joker telling, revealing what he really, really wants to do. And obviously the theme of them trying to create a new and better Joker for Batman to deal with. The criminal feels that there's no one better than Joe Chill. He thought it could have been Jason, thought it could have been Barbara, 
as he tells Batman, uh, Jason was too unstable and he said Barbara had too much heart. Um, but the perfect one is Joe Chill, a Joker who will be have this big connection to Batman. The one responsible for the creation of Batman will now be Batman's greatest threat as the Joker. I couldn't help but think of Batman 89 here <laughs> where it's kind of oh, or maybe Jeff Johns is trying to do something here to kind of connect to where this new Joker here will be like 89 where he killed Batman's parents here. I thought that was the direction he might be going here. But it wasn't, and I'll get to that in a bit, which makes this story so brilliant. And uh, Batman's kind of trying to tell the criminal Joker, you know he's dying, but he says, oh, a dip in the chemical will probably put his um, cancer into remission, and he'll just be trading um, his sanity for a healthy body. Um, so Batman, he obviously, um, as he's trying to stop the criminal Joker, Jason and Barbara are dealing with the comedian Joker, who shoots Jason in the shoulder and has a camera right in front of Barbara reminding her of what he did in The Killing Joke. It even says that famous line that's on the cover of the issue, smile. But I love how Barbara kind of throws that in his face where after she shoots Jason, she just grabs, or the Joker shoots Jason, she just grabs his camera and she just says like, what'd you say? Smile. And she just smashes it right in his face. So <laughs> it just had to be a great moment for Barbara right there. But as Batman makes his way to the criminal try to stop him from dumping Joe Chill into the chemicals. Um, this is where probably my leading up to one of my favorite moments of this story and just one of my favorite moments in Batman comics in general. It's just so good. Batman's able to stop the criminal from dropping the Joker or dropping Joe Chill into the chemicals. But as he does stop, he kicks Joker and knocking away his machine gun. He has a lighter that ends up falling into the chemicals. So the chemicals is going to cause this big explosion. Um, and Joe Chill, and the months of distraction, Joker cuts Joe Chill's rope that he was tied to to have him fall in the chemicals. And Batman kind of has to do something probably he would never do, and that is save the man who killed his parents. He's able to use his grapple, swings in, rescues Joe Chill before he falls into the chemicals and makes their way out of the Monarch Theater by kicking the criminal Joker through the bricks into the streets of Gotham in this great panel. So he's knocked out for a bit. And this is the part of the issue that I just absolutely love. And there isn't that much dialogue, but a lot of it speaks through Jason Fabok's fantastic art. You see Joe Chill kind of coming back to himself after <laughs> that ordeal. He's standing right in front of this brick wall and then he sees Batman, he just startles. He has a scared look in his face. He just says, I know who you are. And there's this, this great, great artwork of just Batman, his face covered in darkness. It's not quite a silhouette. Obviously, you see the cowl and the ears, but his whole face is just dark. You don't see his chin. It's all black. You just see the white eyes. It's just fantastic. That You see this, this blank stare Batman has looking at Joe Chill. And then you get a flashback to Joe Chill pointing the gun. And then you contrast that with just how helpless and sick Joe Chill is in here. And just, just having Batman face-to-face -face with the person who's killed his parents, the one responsible for the creation of Batman. It's just, and the, what follows here in the dialogue is just incredible. As Joe Chill just says to him, you know what I did here? Are you going to kill me? And Batman just says, no. And Joe Chill says, I deserve it, and I'm just totally sorry. And then Batman just turns his head, kind of just feeling this sadness and grief over him, maybe thinking this is not how he expected this confrontation with Joe Chill to be. 
And then the walls, the brick wall that Joe Tills was standing in front of starts to crumble and collapse and was going to crush him. And then this part actually reminded me of the episode of Batman Brave and the Bold, Chill of the Night, where Batman, that recounts the story of Batman confronting Joe Chill. And Joe Chill actually gets killed by some rubble and debris falling on him. And I thought, oh, is he going to die this way? Kind of how he did in that episode. But no, Batman saves him again. He saves him twice. And this is the part I love. Batman saves the man who killed his parents, who caused him all this pain and hurt. And Joe Chill says, thank you. And then Batman says, you're welcome. Just kind of putting everything to rest, to everything he's felt for Joe Chill. Obviously, the hatred and the grief he probably had for him, it just to come to this moment for him to accept his apology, I thought is huge. And I just love this moment for Batman as a character. It was just so beautifully done. The artwork was amazing, beautifully written. It was just incredible. But that's not all the great moments that happened in this issue. <laughs> I'll get to that towards the end. But the criminal Joker um, regains consciousness. He has dynamite strapped to him. And he just says, you know, this is kind of going to take everyone out and glad that they're all going to go together. But then a gunshot goes straight through his head. And you're thinking, did Jason Todd just kill another Joker? But no, it was actually the comedian who does it. And he just goes, and then there is one. And he surrenders, puts his hand up and just says, take me in, Batsy. And just lets out this maniacal laugh that we're all accustomed to with the Joker. So um, the police come, they arrest him, and Batman is actually going to ride in the police escort with Joker. And then this is where I like the brilliance of the story that Jeff Johns crafted comes into play here. And for what Joker's true scream was. And it turns out, I mean, it's kind of left ambiguous, but for me, I'm taking it where the criminal Joker is the real Joker. And because Batman asks him, what do you want? And he just says, certainly not what the others did. And especially not the criminal Joker. It just compares it to an old man who was delusional, wanting to create a better Joker and all the lunacy behind that. Um, He says what a lot of Batman's fans, me included, think is the really best interpretation of the Joker where he goes, I'm just going to quote what he says here. A defined Joker, one with a name and identity. Why that ruins the very definition of me. That's why I regret making him, making him, he means the criminal Joker, but then he goes, or does he regret making me kind of throwing in like which Joker is the real and the first one, but I'm definitely taking that. It is the criminal here. The one Batman's talking to is the real and original Joker. And then Batman asks him, what's the punchline? And he says, oh, that's the joke, Batman. There isn't a final twist, but this is everything I wanted. He said, the criminal was wrong. I am chaos. I'm the devil. I'm nothing to you and everything. It's not the Joker who's broken. It's the Batman. It says, broken by a pain greater than anything I could ever do to you. So I convinced them that Joe Chill would be the perfect new clown prince of crime, the man who sent Gotham to hell and it turns Batman also. And he said, the criminal bought it. It just like everything played out just like how I thought. And this is the brilliant part right here, I think. Joker says, you saved the man who killed Thomas and Martha Wayne, who sent Gotham and you down the drain in despair. You saw that old, regretful, sad, sack, what, what chill has become. You felt his pain and it gave relief to yours. I healed your greatest wound so I can now be your greatest pain. And I love that. And the Joker just goes crazy, just laughing out loud. He has this insane look to him. But that's why I just really feel this is the Joker. He had a different vibe and look to him that the other Jokers didn't have. And it's on full display right here. And the fact that 
Joker wanted to take away Batman's greatest pain, which was Joe Chill, so, so that he can be the one to be his greatest pain, I just think is brilliant. It wasn't this whole scheme of creating a new Joker, have this identity identity that's connected to Batman. And I'm glad Jeff Johns didn't go in that direction because this is just so much better. And as Joker even says here, it speaks to the essence of the character, someone without a defined origin story or name, uh, but someone who just wants to be the greatest threat to Batman. And Batman's greatest enemy being the cause of Batman to heal his greatest wound which has been something that's been established throughout the course of this story. It even started out at the very first issue with the recounting of the Wayne murders and just how Joker took that away from Batman. Just kind of the irony of that. It just feels so much like a Joker scheme. And it was just so brilliant to how Jeff Johns did that. So I loved that that was the ultimate end game here in this story. And then we get another powerful moment of Bruce Wayne in the hospital bed or not in the hospital bed, but in the hospital with Joe Chill on his deathbed, being there to witness the death of the man who killed his parents. And it was an emotional moment because Bruce Wayne is there. He, Joe Chill reaches out with his hand and Batman grabs it and he's holding his hand as he dies, just kind of putting putting to rest uh, the emotional trauma that he's had with the death of his parents, um, seeing the one who killed them die and yet forgiving him as Batman, as we saw early on. Uh, to me, it's just really powerful stuff, and I just love it. As a lifelong Batman fan reading that, uh, to me, it just felt really special. So that's pretty much why I think the story in this issue is just fantastic. What it did for Batman as a character and the Joker, it just was all just so very impactful to me and just some a story that we haven't seen before with the Joker and Batman, but one that just spoke volume to the characters and what they represent to each other. It was just fantastic. And then we get a moment in kind of the epilogue of this issue where we do get a hint of who the Joker kind of really is. And it goes back to the killing joke where we see Batman or Bruce Wayne driving to Alaska. And then we get a flashback to him talking to Alfred um, about the whole situation of what happened. And he actually reveals to Alfred that um, he knew who Joker was all along. And Alfred is shocked. He goes, I knew who the Joker was, or I knew the Joker's name one week after we first met. And then we get a flashback to moments in the killing joke of Joker talking to his wife who was pregnant. And then we get a reveal here that his wife and child never died. She actually wanted to leave the Joker, but he'll never let let her leave. And she don't think she can live with her child and think of what he could do to the baby, to their baby. So she works out with the police to kind of put her under protective care and I guess kind of under the witness protective program, something like that, um, to where they're taken to this remote area in Alaska. And that moment in the killing joke where those two detectives were telling uh, the Joker that um, his wife and baby died in that electrical short. It was all just a ruse to get her away from him and to have him believe that she and the child were dead. And then we kind of see that it looks like Bruce has been taking care of them and providing for them because that child is kind of like a young teenager, kind of around 12 or 13 years old, and they're living a happy life. And Bratman tells Alfred because, you know, no one can ever know his name because if the world knows his family will never be left alone and the Joker will find him. So he says, I know his name, but the Joker's name isn't what's important. It has never been. And that is just so true. Again, going back to that idea of the Joker being someone who we don't know the identity of. And to be honest, this portion here, I could 
kind of take it or leave it. I don't think the issue really needed this reveal, but I'm kind of okay with it. It's something that doesn't change things uh, too drastically, but I think if you're looking at the killing joke to be the origin story of the Joker, I could see maybe where having it where his wife and child survive. I don't know if that lessens the backstory of the Joker, knowing that that whole one bad day aspect playing into why he went insane when it never really happened. So I don't know. I'm kind of split on it. I, I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily love it. I just don't think it's, it doesn't take away from the greatness of this issue. It just, it is just kind of there. It's something that it's there and I accept it, but maybe it just didn't need it um, to close it out on. But at the same time, I still like the idea of Batman doing what he's <laughs> can to take care of this family uh, just so they could be safe for the Joker. But it does beg the question though, to the whole point of the story being uh, made where at the end of the justice league dark side war, where Batman asked the Mobius chair, who is the Joker and that's where he first learns that there are three Jokers out there. If he knew the Joker's name right away, why did he even bother asking the Morbius chair? Maybe he wanted to make sure for himself to know, but I don't know, just something that kind of got me thinking why he even asked that question if he knew. But that's just a minor gripe uh, for what was just a fantastic issue. And there was some stuff in here with Jason and Barbara and Jason kind of wanting to pursue their relationship after that kiss in the first issue or the second issue. Um, that was just kind of the... It wasn't horrible or bad or anything in this um, issue, but it just felt something that uh, wasn't the thrux of why this final issue of the story was so great. It was kind of the least interesting aspect of what happened here. Though there was a great moment between Barbara and Commissioner Gordon where she's in her Bat Batgirl costume and Gordon's referring to as Batgirl. He goes, Batgirl, um, uh, kind of like I don't want to, tell you how to do things or certain to that effect but he tells her how uh, jason todd is someone you shouldn't kind of get involved with and barbara just kind of tells her or tells him i forget the exact words i'm kind of scrolling through here but she just refers to him as dad as was the big moment kind of we always kind of assume jim knew who that backer was barbara and he just never really said it out loud or revealed to her that um, he knew, but it was kind of something where it was a mutual understanding where obviously they both know the secret and they're good with it. But she just, this is what she said. She says, what I do with him isn't your business, dad. And Gordon doesn't have the surprise look. It's kind of like, yeah, they both know. And she just had to make a point in referring to him as dad in this situation here. And I just like that aspect where she wasn't just fooling around here. She's just saying it how it is, whether she's talking to her father here or not as Commissioner Gordon. And then there was this moment where poor Jason can't get a break. He tries one more time to express his feelings to Barbara, where he leaves this note on on her door, just kind of saying like he loves her, he wants, he thinks they can have a future together. He's willing to give up the mantle of Red Hood for her. But <laughs> the tape he didn't use good tape here because it ends up falling off the door, and the cleaner of this of her apartment just sweeps it away. So she never gets the note. So she's never going to know how he really felt and expressed himself here. Uh, because he even says, if you don't feel this way, then don't even reply to this letter. Just throw it away. And I'll never mention it again. So that's probably going to be the case because I don't think Barbara ever got it. So that old Barbara Jason aspect wasn't my favorite um, story or favorite point of the three Joker story. But at the same time, they were just so integral to the story for what they gone through with the Joker. And again, that trauma of how they dealt with it being a main theme of this whole three-part arc um, for Batman, for Batgirl, for Jason 
of the trauma that they went through and how they dealt with it in different ways was a big part and theme of this story. And it was handled really, really well. So yeah, this issue, I think it was fantastic. This whole story is a new Batman classic. What Jeff Johns, along with Jason Fabok's glorious art <laughs> and so beautiful, uh, went so perfect with the story that Jeff Johns was trying to tell here and just created, in my opinion, some truly new classic Batman moments. And I just couldn't be more happy with this story because obviously it was announced a while ago. There was a lot of anticipation for it. And I thought it lived up to the hype 100%. It's a new Batman classic in my opinion. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give it five out of five video game fads that have come and gone. So a lot of fads there, (laughs) but well worth the experience if it's (laughs) in uh, reading this story here. It was just fantastic. I think it's a must read. So yeah, that is Batman Three Jokers, one that we've been waiting for a while, and it more than was worth the wait, in my opinion. So as I said earlier, mainly been reading old Batman comics from the 80s, but this was definitely one of the current stories that I just could not miss, and I was so thankful that I read it when it came out because it more than lived up to the hype, like I said. And I think we'll be amongst some of those classic Batman stories in the 80s a few years from now. So yeah, hats off to Jeff John and Jason Fabok for doing creating a new Batman classic. Just trying to count how many video game facts that uh, that that is. I so know. Have there been that you, many? You, you gave it a <laughs> you gave it a what? A, four a five out of five. Five out of five. Okay. Then we got <sighs> the VR, maybe. VR. <laughs> got motion control. Motion control. Yeah. And uh, um, so we mentioned the else, rumble, uh, like mentioned the, the rumble pack, but that's the, still here, so yeah. that didn't come and go. Uh, the the duck hunt gun, a <laughs> light gun that, that was a fad, like probably because you got yeah, uh, the super scope for the Super Nintendo, yeah. Um, so that's um, number four would be uh, memory cards. There you go. <laughs> uh, separated memory cards that you have to buy separately, right? Yeah. Uh, Which I sadly did for Superman final, 64. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, uh, non-built-in wireless adapters slash internet um, Ethernet ports. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And we had to buy those separately. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's five. I got it. <laughs> well, all those add up to a great Batman story. <laughs> yeah. I guess it does. <laughs> all right. So that's going to do it for this episode. So as always, I'll throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. All right. Let's see if I can remember all of it. <laughs> uh, go over to Batman Universe on Facebook.com slash Batman Universe. Uh, the Twitter handles at Batman Universe. The show's Twitter handles at Batman's Podcast. And since we're in such a great mood, uh, this is a historic election and everybody's happy. Um, I am going to say it at Tim G311. Wow. Uh, I am Tim, very sorry. happy that you did that for me, Dave. <laughs> Good. <laughs> keep those positive great. vibes going. <laughs> My Twitter handles at Dave says Banana. Uh, rate reviews on iTunes, and if you want to email the show, you can email the show at gmail dot uh, at Bad Pants Podcast. Oh no, at Bad Pants, but I'll pants at gmail dot com. 
I got it. <laughs> you so the, little stumble, but you made it. Yeah. So with that, we say at the end of every single episode, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our video game bad loving hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys. See you next time. Oh